everyone, you're listening to Operation Dichotomy. I'm Paul, I'm your host, and we are the bridge between perception and reality. Our goal here is to create a society of greater understanding and empathy so that people can be slowing down in their speech and more eager to listen and hear the other perspective because usually it's that misunderstanding and judgment that creates a lot of the problems that we see in society around us. If you want to connect with us, we're at operationdichotomy.com or at Operation Dichotomy on Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, And last but not least, if you found any value in the content that we provide, whether it's through the podcast or through our social media, uh, do us a favor and share it because that's what helps us to get our, our mission and vision out there to everyone else that might need it as well. Now, on to our guest today. Um, Man, where to begin? Uh, Let's just begin with his name. This is EJ Cruz. Uh, If that name isn't familiar to you yet, I'm sure very soon it will be. Uh, He is no stranger to the podcast world because he is the host of the Parables podcast. It is a top 100 business podcast. And if you don't know the statistics about how many podcasts there are right now, to be in the top 100 means... It means a lot. It means a lot of people in the world are listening to it. Uh, To be specific, this man, EJ Cruz, and the Parables podcast has been played and downloaded in over 60 countries across the world. So he's becoming a a global icon, maybe, pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) He's a uh, a networking extraordinaire. He's just absolutely great with people and loves them. He is a speaker. He's always, always pursuing the best version of himself, whether that's challenging himself or surrounding himself with the people that challenge him. He aims to provide value and inspire others. Uh, I'm, I can attest to that. This guy's always trying to, to just provide, provide, provide instead of take, take, take. So that's something I value about him uh, the most. And last but certainly not least, he's a man who's been serving in the healthcare system as a nurse and now in nurse management for 10 years. So... If you know anything about nursing, that says a lot about his character as well. So without further ado, EJ, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here with us. Paul, thank you so much. It's a true honor and privilege to be on, the pod, be on your podcast. And um, it may, first off, I want to applaud you. As you know me, being a podcast host myself, I know the time and effort it takes to do this. So I applaud you for doing it. And in addition, man... Um, uh, that was a lot of nice things you said about me. I like to think it's true, um, but I, I really appreciate it, man. I really appreciate you having me, and I hope I can provide um, value, insight, and good perspective to your audience. Oh, for sure, for sure. That's why I invited you, man. If there was a doubt, then I never would have reached out, <laughs> just to be real. <laughs> um, let's begin, man, because there's so much value you can provide. Um, I There's two big parts about you that I think will be um, beneficial for the the public and the audience to learn about and hear your perspective on. Uh, the first one I wanted to kind of get into was you being a nurse. So you've been in nursing since uh, 2010, so about 10 years now. You started off as an RN, is that correct? Yeah. And then it was about six years before you got into nurse management? Yeah, yeah. So you got yeah. it right. So right, right off the bat in 2010, uh, I graduated, you know, I was a new grad. I was fortunate enough to get a job right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because before the recession happened, we were being incentivized to like, hey, come join us at our hospital, like work for us. We got ice cream. You have a sign on bonus, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as we, you know, 2010, when I graduated, it was so tough to get a job. Luckily for me, I interned or they called it extern mm-hmm. as a, a nursing student. 
and we actually got paid. So technically I was an employee of my employer. And because of that, I, my foot was in the door. So I was oh, lucky okay. enough to get a job right away, right when I became a new grad. And um, like you said, yeah, about six, seven years, I've been, uh, I was a floor nurse, um, you know, learned a lot. And eventually I moved on to nursing management, uh, went from case manager initially, but was, uh, there was a position open for uh, a management position and, and uh, been doing it still to this day, still doing it full time. So if we were to step back a little bit, uh, you mentioned a little bit from your nursing school and graduation there. What, what prompted you and what motivated you to go into nursing in the first place? It's All not right. easy, so I, you know? <laughs> this, is probably the, this is probably the most interesting part of my story. So uh-huh. <laughs> if there's anything interesting about my story, it's, it's probably this. Okay. It's that, okay, so, you know, obviously uh, uh, having a Filipino background, um, you know, a lot of us in our culture tend to go towards the healthcare um, side. My mom, a uh, registered nurse, my two older sisters, uh, registered nurses. And funny story is there was a point where all of us worked at the same hospital. My mom, cool. my two older sisters and my, my aunt, like my real aunt. Right. Uh-huh. So there was a time where I was just like, man, we need like a, a commercial of some kind. Right. <laughs> but, uh, to, to answer your question, um, I was, uh, bribed. I like to say I was bribed by my mom to take up nursing at the time when I was 15 years old, I was very involved with school and so involved in regards to associate student body, basketball, you name it. And I think my mom and dad were just so sick of driving me to school that they were like, Hey, you could take your, your student, uh, uh, student, uh, was it a uh, driver's permit mm-hmm. and, um, you know, take it right away. And, uh, they were just basically like, Hey, if, if you want a car for us to give you, you know, you, you have the promise to take up nursing and, you know, it's not like a, it's just like a used car at the time I was, you know, in my uh, fast and the furious phase and, you know, <laughs> like, the, like the, you know, Hondas and things like that. And, um, you know, uh, being naive and just being that kid I am, I, I, I kind of didn't care. I was just kind of like, okay, just give me the car. Right. <laughs> and, um, so that's what's happened. I kind of got bribed into it. Uh, little did I know when I finally got accepted to the nursing program, I, it was, it was crazy in the regards that I was very immature. I was young. I was one of the few males in the mm. program. Uh, I didn't have any nursing background or medical background. Usually when someone gets into the, you know, the field, they have some sort of background, whether they were a nurse's aide, they were um, a, a med tech uh, assistant. They even maybe took medical terminology. I didn't have none of that. Mm. So my journey starting the program was very tough. I was on academic probation for three semesters. And for however, whatever reason, I survived a lot. My last semester, it all clicked. And I was able to graduate and pass my licensing exam first time. And um, the rest is history. It's just kind of nuts, man, how it all panned out. Do you feel like, because, you know, you said you were bribed and you see, you know, you kind of say that as a joke, kind of seriously. But yeah. now looking back, um, now 10 years into your career, do you feel like, that was a place where you were, um, I don't want to say meant to be, but do you feel like you made the right decision in moving forward? Was this a career and uh, a path that you felt like you can get behind and no regrets, essentially? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you, when you think about your past, you know, you, you always have that, that mindset like, man, I wish I would have done this, wish I would have done that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's hard. It's hard to have that mindset 
in that state of mind when you realize all the blessings and all, you know, where you are in your life right now. And, and it's because of the events that have been in your past. So for me, you know, obviously there's some things that I wish I would have done, like take care of my money better, um, mm. you know, make better decisions, I guess you could say. But uh, to answer your question, I definitely do not regret anything. Um, those 10 years of being in the field has helped me develop to who I am, both as a human, as a husband, as a professional, as just a people person. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you some insight, I mean, you kind of like what you just said, like, you know, um, I mean, uh, people don't know I paid you to say that, right? But anyway, uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, that I, love, I, I, I love to network. I love people. And I really do think it's because of my interesting career. Because, you know, I, I want to paint this picture for you. Imagine a very young, immature guy, man, coming into a patient's room. And let's just say it's your mom that's admitted, right? Mm. And you see this kid and you realize this is the guy that's going to be taking care of my 73-year-old mom, mm. you know? So I had to go in there and I had to establish that rapport, that trust. I had to use my skills as a person to comfort them spiritually, use my personality, use my humor in, and incorporate that into my practice. Hmm. So it definitely helped me develop, you know, skills as far as prioritizing critical thinking, organization, um, all that stuff. Right. And so to overall answer your question, I definitely do not regret anything. Obviously you look back and you wish you made smarter and better choices, you know, but um, overall it's developed to who I am today and I don't take away anything from it. It gives me, especially times like this right now, Mm. uh, I don't believe in job security, but I will say I do have a little security more than other fields out there. Mm -hmm. So to know that I still have a job and and unfortunately people are hurting right now, but to know I still have a career that I could lean back on, um, you know, it's a true blessing. No, for sure. Like I completely agree with that. Um, I think anybody else who's listening to this, who's actually been to a hospital and had an extended stay, uh, they they can attest to that as well. Um, when my wife was pregnant, this was just a couple of, oh shoot, already four months ago. Oh my gosh, already four months ago, we were in the hospital because she was uh, having a baby. Mm-hmm. She was having our baby, let me correct oh, that. Her baby. <laughs> yeah, my baby. <laughs> so I am, I am her husband and I am the father, I think. <laughs> she does look like me. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, yeah, we were there for a couple of days. And, you know, obviously the, the doctors are very important. Um, their expertise and their own separate training is necessary for, for whatever procedure the patient is going through. But the whole like three days we were there, if, if the nurses weren't there, the let's put it this way. I feel like the nurses bring the, the human element to healthcare, right? These are the people that you talk to. They're the ones that... Um, I mean, we could even say they, they kind of love on the patients, you know, like they're the ones that are comforting them, encouraging them, um, changing bedpans if you need to. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily a clean, like, it's not a clean thing, you know. Nurses are the ones that get down and dirty with the patients. And I can see how you going through 10 years of um, being in that caretaking position, not even talking about healthcare at this point, right? You're talking about taking care of the human being. Like you yeah. said, being humorous, um, uplifting their spirits when they're in a position of, dude, I'm here because I'm sick. I feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Nurse comes in, cracks a joke, you laugh. Like, dude, that's, that's all human interaction networking right there. So I'm 100% not surprised that you are where you are today because of the 10 years in nursing. Um, you mentioned in all of that at some point where um, when you went to nursing school, you were one of the few men in the nursing program. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, 
I'm pretty sure it's common knowledge to people that there are more female nurses than men. Um, why do you think that's the case? Or is there even a reason? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this and that may not be the uh, correct answer. This is just my personal opinion. I think it is a stigma. Um, you know, obviously, you look back at history when the nurse, so you know, uh, nursing was a fairly new field compared to, you know, uh, medicine, right? And when nursing came about, you know, most men, you know, were uh, in the medical field. Then nursing came about and it was a more female dominated um, field. And I think that's just how the profession was created and developed. I mean, even the, the so-called founder of nursing, uh, Florence Nightingale, she, you know, she's female, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that over time it's changed. There's definitely a lot more men in nursing. During my time, exactly what you said, I think I was one of three males, and I think I was second to youngest when I, when I, I was in the program. Uh, I think it's kind of a cultural thing, but again, we're seeing a shift. I mean, even I just, I just literally saw the movie on TV maybe like a week ago. Um, what's that movie called? Meet the Parents with Ben Stiller and, uh -huh. um, and uh, what's his name? Robert De Niro. And they have a scene there where basically, you know, he tells uh, Ben Stiller's character tells him, oh, I'm a nurse. And the, his brother-in-law and I think the other gentlemen were like, oh, you choose nursing? Why not medicine, right? So I think like there's just this kind of view and it's a lot better now for sure. But back then there was this view of like, oh, men, you know, nursing, you know, and nursing, <laughs> it's, it's just, it just doesn't sound right. It's not culturally accepted, yeah. you know? And, um, but there's a, there's, a, there's a huge reason why some people, some men tend to go to nursing compared to medicine, right? It's, it's uh, timing, it's the schedule, it's the amount of schooling. You know, we, we obviously have a debt problem in our school systems. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons. It's all personalized. And, uh, but as, to answer your question again, I think it's just going back to how the profession actually started and it started to develop. It was definitely a female-dominated um, industry. And men were more, to, uh, if they were in the health industry, they were more into medicine. Hmm. Okay. And then it kind of just went down from there and we're stuck in this path of, I think, like you said, we're kind of reverse, reversing that stigma a little bit where we're not as categorical about gender and um, career paths, I think. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that's going to shift. Not that man or woman, whoever goes into nursing, I applaud. I applaud you very, very much. Um, yeah, it's, it took an extra big heart to be able to take care of someone in the way that you do. But I was just curious from your perspective why that was. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, yeah, no worries. All right, now, EJ, because it's you, you have lived not that much of your life so far. And that was just a weird way of saying, you know, you're still pretty young, you still have a long ways to go. Um, yeah. But I feel like you've already um, added so much to your life. Like you went, you went 10 years in nursing and while you're still in nursing, you, you started this thing called the parables. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us, tell us about that. Like, I know it started as kind of an idea and now it's become yeah. this amazing thing, right? Top 100 podcasts, uh, 60 plus countries, probably going to hit 200 very soon. I don't know if there's that many countries in the world, but it's going <laughs> to surpass planets maybe, right? Where, where did that begin, man? Like, what was the beginning seed of that idea? Yeah, so I think it actually goes back to my nursing career again. Um, 
So about six, seven years into my career, I finally realized that, and I always knew this, but this was like the turning point and the pivot where I realized that I need to start making, looking at things outside of nursing. Cause I know it's not my end game and I didn't want it to be my end game and not to discredit the profession. You know, everyone has their own personal choices and goals, but I quickly realized that it, you know, I didn't want it to be, um, you know, just every, my whole life. Right. Mm-hmm. So within six to seven years, I started to really take, um, action towards entrepreneurship and seeing what's out there. You know, obviously I started joining, uh, different communities, different networks, started reading, listening to podcasts and all that other good stuff. And to just go again, talking about my nursing career, I was actually more than halfway done with my master's degree to be a family nurse practitioner. And, and I'm still paying that school loan, by the way, almost done paying it off. Thank God. But I went into clinicals, my first day of clinicals. And it was just, then I just quickly realized like, you know what, like, why do I keep pursuing the nursing profession when I know it's not in my heart to keep doing it for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. So I made the choice to get into management just to kind of really capitalize on my bachelor's degree. And, you know, quickly I realized, um, you know, going back to my whole story, people don't know this about me, but I've always been a hustler my whole life in the sense that I always would like to somehow make money. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about drugs. I'm talking about like any little thing from shoes to back then pogs to Pokemon cards, you name <laughs> it. I would try to uh, do Mario Kart drawings when I was in elementary school. I used to flip anything I could to make a profit. And I finally, and I finally realized, um, you know what? Let me try to focus on something that's not so money driven. Right. And my approach this time was I wanted to see and focus on something that an approach to different, not so much about the money, but actually really do the, the typical thing, you know, write down on a piece of paper what I know I'm good at, and what I enjoy, and see how I could make that into a career. Mm-hmm. Of course, what I wrote down there was the things you said. I love to network. I love people. I love conversations. So I wrote that down, and I didn't know anything about podcasting, right? But nursing is just my nursing is my background. And I, I, I stumbled across the, the platform, the podcasting platform, and I thought I'd give it a go, you know? Thought I'd give it a go and the rest is history. Like what started as just like a hobby because I consider myself a serial hobbyist in the sense that I like to try new things all the time and I get bored easy. Um, what started as a hobby in regards to just bringing people on, people I know, you know, just mm-hmm. chatting with them, what they do, how they got into it. It quickly escalated to people I don't know, people who are, you know, who have a high influence, people multi-millionaires and to other people, other walks of life, all walks of life, right? People who don't have a voice or people who don't are not so much in the public eye, but are doing incredible, impactful work. I want to give them a voice. And dude, that's how it all started, man. It was just, um, it was just one of those things that you had to try out and see where it would take you. And luckily for me, it took off, I guess you could say, and Mm -hmm. everything else has been a blessing since. So from episode one, uh, in between, from, okay, before episode one, all that time that passed between the first episode and when you wrote down your actual idea, I feel like that's where, that's where most people, I mean, everybody has ideas, everybody has dreams, everybody wants, quote unquote, wants a little bit more for their lives and their career and their family, et cetera, et cetera. But the difference between 
most people and what I believe you did is that you took what you wanted and actually began to take action. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I, I've met and talked with enough people that have been um, afraid to take that step and afraid to move forward. They've been discouraged. Part of it is their own self-talk. Part of it is um, the family or the friends around them that kind of, you know, they're planting doubt in their minds. Like, it can't be done. Why do you want to do something unstable, et cetera? What was it like for you when you started? Because obviously you made that jump. You took that first step. Were you discouraged? Were people saying things? And how did you handle all that stuff? So a couple of things happened. First off was, again, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Again, mm-hmm. I am probably the worst person when it comes to equipment in regards to, because, uh, and also for those who don't know, the parables is film too. So just bringing that whole filming aspect brings a whole new ball game to just the, you know, the platform itself, right? So I didn't know anything about recording. I'm not an audio engineer. I don't know how to operate a camera till this day, except for on and off and record and stop. And um, obviously I went through, you know, I, so I had to go through a checklist of the things I thought I needed. And, you know, you, you, you go through this, this period of analysis paralysis, right? Because for me, I have this saying, there's two things you can't take back in life. One is time. And the second thing is first impressions. So for me, when I started this thing, I wanted to make sure that it was at least decent to where people would want to listen. And, and instead of, imagine you starting a podcast and you put it out there and the audio is completely trash. It's barely like, you know, listenable, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I knew there had to be a sense of quality when I started this thing, but it came to the point where, you know, of course, as when you start something, you seek out advice, right? So I had the the very tech savvy cousin in my ear, like EJ, you need to buy this, buy this, buy this, which would equal up to $10,000. Oh and then I had the advice from people who are just more resourceful. And then of course I did my research on Google and it came to the point where I, well, two things happened. One, I joined Arte, right? I met some mm-hmm. amazing people, remarkable people, and I had accountability partners. And they straight up said, EJ, what's your target date? I said, October, 2008, it was 2018, October. And they helped me to it. And these were the type of people, accountability partners, you don't want to let down. So I was luckily able to launch in September. But Mm -hmm. the second thing that happened also was I just got so sick and tired of holding myself back because of so much thought and detail into it. And that's okay because that that just shows that you have a high level standard and you care so much. Because again, this is my reputation. This is my brand, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I recognize like this is never going to happen unless I start. And once I knew, I, I knew it was going to be a learning process. But just like anything in life that you get into something new, you're going to have to keep doing it. You're going to run into hurdles, a lot of uh, pots, you know, on the street. And, um, you know, you just have to keep going and keep going and learning as you went. And I, I, that's what I did. And I could tell you right now, I, I, I'm on like, I think episode 78, 79 now. Every mm-hmm. episode, I've had at least one problem whether it's the technical equipment side or like the fundamental side, I always have one problem. And it's, 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 it's just been an ongoing learning journey. And again, I, I surpassed that, that period or that part that you identified was one, I had accountability partners. And second, I got sick of myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, you just need to start this thing and shut up and hurry up and get it going. Right. So, um, yeah, that's how I handled that analysis paralysis, man. The I'm gonna ask you to relive some some tough moments, <laughs> and the reason why yeah. I want to do that is because 
from from the outside perspective, you know, I already said the parables. It's, it's a huge podcast, some awesome guests, um, awesome hosts, top hundred business podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And so when regular people just look at something like this, they, let me just make an assumption here. They see this nice production with the video, these clean YouTube videos and great audio quality, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost like, you know, EJ got lucky. Like he has some inner talent. He's, it's been a smooth ride, but in everything that you just said, you're like, you hit the bumps, you hit the potholes. You just got to push through and keep going. Um, I want to, I want to make this journey real for people. Like, I don't want people to think that it was, it was EJ. That's why he did it. Right. Even EJ had issues. What were some of those potholes and bumps and hard times that pissed oh. you off? So Paul, we were, we were at the same event a couple of weeks ago in Modesto conversation about content when I did my presentation on a podcast. And what was one of the things I said, Paul, you remember? I said, can I be honest with you guys? Can I be oh, honest yeah. with everyone in this room? I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the honest truth. But some of the things that I ran into problems was of course, finding my voice, right? It took a couple episodes. I think about maybe the sixth or seventh episode when I started to get really comfortable and finding my voice and the way I carry myself and the conversation, mm-hmm. um, technical issues, as far as I've had batteries died multiple times when I thought I charged it, it wasn't charged. So I've had the film or the camera shut off. Mm-hmm. There's been times where, um, memory died, the memory cards died. There's been times when I didn't even have the microphone turned on to record. Um, There's been lots of times because uh, for those who don't know, all my podcasts are in person. My episodes, my uh, conversations or interviews, if you want to call it. There's been a lot of conflicts, uh, not conflicts, confusion and miscommunication in regards to, you know, my guests coming over and meeting up. Um, What what do you you mean? I think I I, timing wise or they thought it was remote. Yes. So for whatever, for whatever reason, and I'm going to hold my tongue a little bit, for whatever <laughs> reason, they thought, they thought it was remote when I specifically told them multiple times, this is the address. This is the time I followed up with them the week prior. I uh-huh. confirmed it, you know, just miscommunication. And okay. um, I think there was a time when the, I think there was a time when the power went out one time. Uh, I'm telling you, there's been, Oh, I mean, this was probably maybe three, four months ago. I had to really strategize how much water I drink to hydrate myself because there was a time on my episode where I, Oh my gosh, like my bladder almost (laughs) exploded, but I did not want to interrupt the conversation because it was too good. So just, just things like that. I will tell you guys, like, again, everyone's listening to this. It, it is hard. It is tough, but I don't want to scare any way, um, scare anyone away from doing a podcast or whatever it is you're trying to do. It's just that I had to learn keep mm-hmm. learning and, and systemize it and simplify it to how it best works for me because podcasting is hard, but it also can be simplified to make it easy to work for you. And it's just been such a learning process and a lot, a lot of trial and error, Paul. Now, did you, did you expect that? Like, did you go into it knowing that there are going to be these trial and error moments? Did you, did you really, um, I don't know how to ask this. Like, did you, did you expect to hit those bumps or did you think it was going to be smoother and then they kind of surprised you? You know what? Um, a little kind of, and kind of not. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like I have a pretty controlled environment here and like in my podcast studio. Um, I, I kind of say kind of not to the extent that I didn't know. I still don't know what to expect sometimes. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't know what to expect to come out. And because this was such a new and foreign industry to me and, you know, everything that I do, um, you know, I just have that mindset. Like, I don't know what to expect, but I know the type of person I am where the, I guess you could say it was that saying the show must go on mm-hmm. and you just have to pivot. Right. I mean, you just have to keep it, keep it going. And my goal has always been for my guests to feel comfortable and relaxed and to have fun. Mm. let alone you know we do have an agenda and, and the agenda or the mission of my podcast is to inspire people right but at the end of the day for my guests at least you know they're doing a huge favor by coming on the podcast and helping me magnify their influence and sharing their story so my goal has always been to not only make everything functionally operating but also mm-hmm. you know being of service and serving my guests who do come on so um, it, it's like I said, it's very, very interesting, man. There's, there's been times where things would happen and I, I didn't expect, mm-hmm. you know, um, but still, dude, we got to make it work, man. You, you got to make it work. That's what pe- gets people going. Yeah. The show must go on. Like you said, man, mm-hmm. I feel like the reason why I wanted you to drill that point home is because um, I know myself and a lot of the people that I talk to, again, the reason why it's so hard to do new things is because for some reason, um, I mean, for some reason, being this is what we see on media and what we see with different personalities. Uh, when we try to do big things and make big moves, it's supposed to be smooth. And if it's not smooth, that means it's our problem, which means we probably shouldn't have done it in the first place. Where in reality, and I think we get a lot of this from your story, is that nothing goes the way that it's planned, like period. There's always yes. going to be bumps. There's always going to be potholes. But kind of like how you did, you, you adjust and you pivot and you take that and you move forward learning show must go on and as it goes on it's probably going to get better get better because you're learning from them but i feel like if we if we expect that when we begin um in my experience it makes it much easier like oh it's supposed to be this way there's a pothole right there it sucks but shoot it's supposed to be there ej told me it's supposed to be there so it's okay um so hopefully that's something that we cleared up for people yeah yeah and then i want to make that point that i know people make it, uh, I may have made it sound like so easy when I said like, oh, you just got to pivot and keep moving. Mm -hmm. And of course, there were times where I would have to pivot and I'd be frustrated, right? I'd be Mm -hmm. mentally broke down. You know, I would start questioning myself, doubting myself, like, man, do people actually, do do people do listen, right? Mm -hmm. Do people, uh, is this going to be worth it? Is it doing what it's supposed to do, right? And uh, I guess to drive that point, like even for me, one of the biggest lessons I learned, Paul, and yeah, you you know this because you were there at my presentation, is the success of my podcast is not based off who my guest was or the amount of downloads. To me, the success of that episode is based to me off the feedback that I get. And the feedback that I get is when someone reaches out to me and says, EJ, oh my gosh, that episode with so-and-so really inspired me. I loved it. It got me to think about this or you know whatever it may be, right? So again, um, you know, to drive the point, if, and I hate to say it, it sounds so cliche, but if everything was so easy, then everyone would keep doing it, right? Everyone would be the same, right? And the, the so-called victory or like the little wins that you get wouldn't be as sweet, you know what I mean? So uh, a lot of trial and error, man, and I know I'm going to face in the future, but because I faced so much already, now it's become slowly easier to manage it and just keep pivoting. You know, mm. yeah. Uh, in the beginning of your journey, we mentioned briefly that you had—I um, don't want to call them haters, but people who discouraged you a little bit because they didn't understand your journey. 
Um, but now a couple of years later, so you started in 2018, now it's early 2020, but a year and a half, the stage of your, uh, what do we call it, journey, the stage of the parables right now, it's, it's completely different. It's, it's blown up, it's continuing to blow up. You're having more and more quote unquote quality guests. Um, do you still have haters? Do people still crap on you? What's that like right now? No, I don't think so. Um, from what I know, at least. And to be honest, it doesn't bother me mm-hmm. if, if there was. I mean, I, what I will say is that the, the surprising thing with my podcast was I have had some of the most unbelievable supporters and loyal listeners mm-hmm. and, you know, people who've reshared, reposted and all that good stuff, right? From people that I don't know, people I just met. Right. And, you know, uh, and this is where that whole Gary Vee philosophy comes into play, where it's like, you know, the more expectations you have of people, the more you're going to be let down. Mm-hmm. So it's always best to have the least expectations. Right. And the, I'm just going to be real. There were there are really close friends of mine, even family members who I thought would support me uh, more, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, some of my biggest supporters and loyal listeners have been people I just met. Right. Mm-hmm. And um that was probably like the biggest eye opener for me. I don't think I've ever had haters where someone said, man, that episode was trash or anything like that. I've had people who, you know, I know they're just poking fun. I've had trolls like, Mm -hmm. Oh, parables, parables, this, or like, Oh, he's like the next Larry King, or he's trying to be this person or that person. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, even though that's bothersome in the inside um, I've learned like, you know, one of the things I've learned is emotional resilience. I've learned that throughout my nursing career. I learned that through my entrepreneurial journey and um, I just let it, I don't let it phase me at all. Like to me, once it starts to play with my emotion, that translates to my body and my body translates to my mind and that translates to my performance. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you're always going to get people who um, don't see eye to eye with you. They backlash, they have a different perspective or, you know, things like that. You're going to always feel um, resistance. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you are fully in tune of who you are and what you're trying to do and you really believe in it, that is always going to outweigh the haters, the mm-hmm. resistance, the doubters and all the other good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you one more question regarding that, just because I found it to be true too, where even in, in Operation Dichotomy, um, I mean, let's be real. Like, I thought this mission was grand and it's amazing, which is why everybody's going to jump on board and it's going to be this amazing show, amazing everything. Um, then, of course, the closest family and friends are going to be your greatest supporters. Not that they aren't, but what I have found is that the ones who are super, super active and supporting and just sharing everything, most of them are people that I've never actually met in person. Some of them I've never had a conversation with over the phone, just a couple of DMs through Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. It's... It's strange, but at the same time, you feel so supported. But why, why do you think that's the case where people who, quote unquote, love you the most? Uh, okay, I shouldn't put that in quotes. They do love you the most, I think. They're not the ones that are necessarily supporting what you're doing. But you got this outside group of people who are like, dang, whatever this man is doing, it's worth sharing. So I'm going to do it. What's, what's that dichotomy there? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm glad you bring that up because I wanted to supplement kind of what I just said, too. I think it's important to know that sometimes people support you and you just don't see it Hmm. right like there's there's people out there that show their form of support in a different way some people might show it in the form of just how we said it reposting resharing dming you giving that stuff and there's other people who just who they do support you they want the best for you but they just do it from afar 
So I think that's a huge perspective and I want to drive that in because I don't want people to think like, I really recognize all oh, there's people within my family and closest friends who don't support me. I know they do deep down inside. I know they do. Right. They just don't maybe show it. Um, as a parent, as like, you know, the people that we just talked about that we just met. Yeah. But as far as to answer your question in regards to the people, the strangers, I think, you know what, I think people are in a place right now where um, we're, uh, we're, we're seeing this little shift, at least from what I see, even though there is that still that dark side of haters and doubters, that we're in a place where we naturally want to uplift and encourage people. And we may not even identify that, but it is that in the form of like, I love what this person is doing and I want to, um, I identify, I identify myself with their cause and with their, with their movement and their mission. Right. They may not say like, dude, like I want to, you know, support you and encourage you and uplift you, blah, blah, blah. But it's more like, wow, like I love what they're doing or I, um, I, I like the values that that's a part of it. I want to attach myself to it. So they just naturally want to, support you and they support you in different forms again right mm -hmm. whether that's uh through a dm resharing whether that's even putting a silent rating on apple Podcasts, right yeah. like so i think it's important to know that and to never disregard that you are always supported by some people that whether uh people that you don't know or people you do know but maybe they just they're silent and um mm. Yeah, I think that's, that's just an important perspective to really um, bring up. No, that's incredibly important. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a good reminder to me as well. Um, and let me just say that again, as short as possible. Is, uh, I think a lot of times, this is really the problem that society has, I think. And this is the greater perspective. And the point of the show is that we we assume that they don't support us because we don't see it in the way that we want it. And this goes for support, love, whatever. There's a reason why there's five love languages, right? Mm -hmm. But just because we don't see it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not giving it to us. It's not necessarily their fault. It's well, we could take the blame ourselves for not seeing it. Right. So let's put that in perspective because shoot, that just changed my perspective. So thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah, yeah, and just to just just to get just to give a quick example, I mean, I want to give you as an example. Yep. My dad is like the biggest troller of all time, right? <laughs> he would be like when like when he does stay with me from time to time because they're retired, right? Would come and I'd have to tell him like, hey, hey, dad, I got a, a podcast episode today. Just letting you know because that's his cue to like, oh, try to keep it quiet, right? Mm -hmm. And he would just be like, oh. Mr. Podcast over here. Oh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jay Leno over here. Like, and he, he's been like that since I was a kid. Um, but even though deep down inside that, that there's a little micro fracture of hurt that's coming in deep down inside. I know definitely no question. It's out of love. Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? He completely supports me. You know, he sees how serious it is now and he sees the strides that I'm making and it's just one of those things, again, it's one of those things that you have to understand that people show love and support in different ways, man. And mm -hmm. I had to find that out and realize that too, you know? And can you imagine, I've only been doing my podcast for what, like little less than two years. I still have a lot to learn. Like, yeah. you know, 
like who knows like uh, i don't know paul maybe next month my whole perspective might change i'd be like damn all these haters you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you never know <laughs> but, you, you know, know. You, you, yeah you never know and again it's just a, it's a learning process it's, as long as you again to bring it back as long as you know who you are and what mm-hmm. you believe in and if you stand by it then i think everything will be good man beautiful beautiful all right, ladies and gentlemen, we are running low on time. Uh, so before we actually end this episode, obviously, I think you can tell EJ has a very unique experience, but at the same time, he's learned so much from that experience that he has a lot of value to provide. Uh, shameless plug here, if you're not listening to the Parables podcast or you have never heard of it, go look it up. Uh, EJ shares his wisdom on there, but he's also, like we said, he's a networking extraordinaire, which basically means he's, he's good at connecting with people. And because he's good at connecting with people, he's able to get their perspective and share that as well. Everyone can learn something and be inspired by something on the show, guaranteed. So go, go find it. Um, EJ, where is a good place for people to connect with you personally? Yeah, I think the, well, first off, before I even say that, Paul, I want to thank you again for having me on your incredible podcast. Um, I always enjoy being, I enjoy being a guest compared to the, when I go from the host to the guest, it's just like, a lot more fun to be honest because <laughs> i guess you know you're not worried about everything else but anyway um th- the best place to find me is probably on instagram uh, reach out to me if you have any questions if you need any help with your podcast please uh reach out um it's uh my instagram handle at it's ej cruz that's its and my name ej cruz otherwise you could also um find my podcast on any uh podcast streaming platform i'm also on youtube and you could also check out my website, which is currently being worked on or revised, but it's still active, www.ejcruz.com. Okay. All that EJ Cruz is E-J-A-Y-C-R-U-Z in case you weren't quite sure how to spell it. <laughs> um, yeah. Find him, connect with him. He mentioned briefly that he's more than willing to help people with a podcast. It's true. If you are listening to this and you ever felt like, man, I want to start a podcast, but I don't know where the heck to begin. EJ is the man to reach out to. He's always good about answering pretty quick and he has the wisdom and the experience to help you out. Last question before we end it for today, EJ, is mm-hmm. because we've only talked about these two aspects of you, I want people to see a little bit more. Um, yeah. Not that we're going to give them so much, but what is just one weird slash unusual thing that people generally don't know about you? Oh, man. Um... I probably, maybe there's two things. The first thing is, I don't even want to say it's weird, but maybe it's a little OCD. I don't know. Hmm. Is that I like to get a haircut every week. Wow. And I I actually, when I am making good money, I actually plan on getting a haircut twice a week. Wow. Um, my, my hair grows really fast. I do have white hair. You know, I'm going to be 34 years old, but, um, yeah, dude, I have this thing about I need my haircut just kind of like how, I don't know, girls need their nails done or, you know, their <laughs> hair done. I, I'm just like, that's my thing. Okay. It's kind of it's kind of like therapeutic to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say I, the other thing I was going to say is I have this, I can't believe I'm going to say this actually, but I have this weird fear of when I travel, I always have this weird fear that I'm going to run out of underwear. <laughs> so it's crazy because you know i you know paul knows i like to work out and you know when you travel sometimes you know you of course you have to shower and just do that right and i i kid you not i feel like i gotta pack like three to four underwear per day and uh, and i have like this weird 
Yeah, and I just feel like I have this weird dream that one day I'm going to run out of underwear and I'm going to be like losing my mind. I'm going to be like, oh my, like I'm going to have to go and go buy some. So I have this, again, this weird habit of packing enormous amount of like underwear when I go travel, bro. So I can't believe I just shared that. Right now. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now if you ever see EJ outside of his home, one way to, <laughs> one way to flip about is go steal his underwear and see what he does. <laughs> um, you, this is kind of i don't know whatever so that does that mean that when you come home half of your underwear is clean because you only used half or do you actually <laughs> go through three pairs a day i think i actually go to um two to three pairs a day man like okay. yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just i, I won't ask why <laughs> <laughs> okay hey, it's it, <laughs> You won't ask why. That's funny. Hey, just know that I'm always, just know my wife knows this. I'm always clean. There you go. There you go. That's what's important. Always clean. You know, he's been in nursing for 10 years, so he knows the beauty and the importance of hygiene. There's a reason why. Sanitation, sanitation, which by the way, for everyone, since we're kind of during this time right now, sanitation is important. Please, Mm -hmm. everyone, wash your hands. Um, Social distancing, this will all be over soon. Hopefully, uh, everyone does their part. So again, yeah, thank you to everyone who's contributing to, uh, you know, helping us healthcare professionals um, mm-hmm. able to help contain everything and do what we do. Yes, sir. Flatten the curve by changing your underwear three times a day. And <laughs> we'll be out of here. Never no forget time. that. <laughs> Never forget that. Awesome. All right, EJ. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate you. Thanks for your perspective. I'm sure everybody's learned so much. Thanks again, man. All right, everyone. Until next time. Bye.